Welcome to the SAMA podcast. We ask the smartest customer-facing people in B2B how to become trusted advisors to the customers their companies can't afford to lose. I'm Harvey Dunham. So it's my pleasure today to be speaking with Ed Bradford, the Managing Director of Market to Win, who is also the Director of the Good Growth Academy and a frequent and longtime contributor to the SAMA community and a, with a variety of different presentations and articles. Ed, it's such a pleasure to be speaking with you. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. It's my pleasure, Harvey, and uh, it's always a pleasure to, to contribute something to the, uh, the SAMA community. I've been looking forward to speaking with you about sustainability and its impact on strategic account management from your perspective. And I, I see that you've been talking to people on the buying side, you know, the customer side, the chief sustainability officers and people at, at large companies. So why is sustainability on so many corporate agendas now? Well, yeah, thank you, Harvey. It's a, it's a very important question. Um, I mean, if you asked that question maybe 20 years ago, then, then the answer would be it's not. Um, but there's, there's three big forces play here, uh, which is really changing things. And, and when I got my head around this subject, uh, you know, around about five years ago when I started looking into it, it was then I realized how this uh, freight train is gathering speed. Uh, there's, first of all, there's investor pressure. So investors have completely got their um, thinking now around uh, a key term, I'll refer it in there right at the start, called ESG, which is environmental and social governance. And what's how that's really changed um, the investor world is it's giving them metrics for measuring many aspects of, of sustainability. Uh, so much so, by the way, that, that the, the numbers going into you know, ESG-related funds are, are truly staggering. Uh, there's over... $30 trillion currently invested in sustainability assets. And uh, if you, if you uh, look at Bloomberg, for example, they're estimating that this will hit $50 trillion by 2025, which will be a third of all assets under management, just four years away from now, will be related to sustainability. And in fact, one of the uh, chief sustainability officers I was talking to in one of my long-standing clients was saying to me that last year was the first time that more money has been put into ESG-related uh, companies than in, in non-ESG-related companies. So you can see from a, from a CEO, CFO point of view, that this thing is really a high priority on their agenda. Uh, because their boards must be asking them questions about it and, and uh, asking what they're doing to, to improve their uh, sustainability performance yeah absolutely absolutely pension funds are doing it uh you look at some of the announcements from you know people like blackrock for example the ceo of blackrock uh talking about how he expects companies to be behaving in the future uh and so the 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 investors are really now encouraging uh, in many ways for companies to do this and of course they're not doing it because they've suddenly turned into angels overnight it's because they see there's a real financial 
you know, uh, threat or opportunity, as you look at it, around climate change. Uh, and if they haven't, if their companies, if their portfolios have not got themselves, you know, protected against climate change, then these assets uh, uh, potentially could be uh, losing value in the future. So, so there's a hard, there's a very hard financial business case now, with more and more research to, to justify it, to say that uh, you know investing in the right sort of stocks uh, will lead to longer longer returns, better returns. Uh, so, so, so you know, that's just one one big influence out there. I'll cover the other two you know very quickly because I know we haven't got much time. But then you've got all the government, all the government pressure as well, uh, these massive green funds, the EU, for example, has got a $1.82 trillion green deal going on. Um, in America, you've got the new green deal, which is even bigger, $2 trillion. Yeah, in, in the UK, where I'm calling from, uh, we're hosting uh, the, the COP26 climate change conference in Glasgow, uh, just in this, this November. So we're, we're making, our government's making a lot of uh, commitments, uh, both in law, by the way, uh, as well as publicly, about what we want to do. So, so the, even China, who perhaps we, we don't have the best relationship with sometimes, even China are realizing that uh, they can't keep you know, polluting their own country. Uh, and so even they are actually quite leading in many aspects of, 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 um, of uh, you know, environmental change. So, so the government, and then the final one I'll say very quickly, is, is customer pressure. We might come back to that as well. That's, that's, that's accounts, strategic accounts that we deal with, and also, of course, the consumers that they are dealing with down the supply chain. Big changes there with the Greta Thornburg fans. Lots of research out there about, about how consumers are changing their habits and changing their behavior to be much more sustainable. So it's a big deal. I mean, it, sustainability and, and uh, ESG have arrived. <laughs> it's a perfect storm. It really is. Yeah. Uh, and it's not going away soon. The, I mean, these, these targets are set for the next 30 years. Uh, so this is not going to go away anytime soon. Uh, in fact, what we see, what, what the guys I'm speaking to currently are saying is that uh, many companies are signing up for these, these targets. What they're not doing really is, is, is understanding the, the journey and the milestones to get to these targets. So there's going to be increasing short-term pressure over the next you know, couple of decades on, on meeting short-term targets to get to these long-term you know, net zero targets that many of these big brands are signing up to. Amazing. So the clients are there. You're, so to our Sam audience, your customers are there or they're thinking about going there. The question then, Ed, is are the sales and marketing organizations of the suppliers there, are they able to, do they understand sustainability and ESG and are they able to have intelligent conversations and ask good questions of their customers? What are you seeing on that side? Well, of course, of course there are differences and we, you know, we must recognize that, that different companies and different industries have different levels of, of competence in, in this area. But I, I would say, if I make a general statement, I would say generally, uh, no. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the, the sales community, I think, and the strategic account management community are kind of like playing catch up. So, uh, you know, I know, you know, anecdotally of, you know, many situations with my clients or with, uh, with conversations I've had with Sam's, you know, where they're reacting to requests ever more serious, 
definitive requests from their accounts, you know, asking for you know what their plans are, uh, what their uh, what their level of commitment is, uh, you know, from the top, uh, what sort of level of investment is going in, and what those milestones are. So the the, the, the box ticking days of yes, yes, we're doing something on sustainability is over. Um, but in the marketing, the marketing side, the good news is I think for the, for the Sam point of view is that they're ahead of the marketing. I think, I think uh, what's interest, interesting to me is that when I talk to people in the sustainability world, the marketing profession is actually often seen as the enemy, <laughs> the greenwashers of this. Uh, um, and, and they have further to come. Uh, while, while the sales community need to catch up I think uh, from the from the marketing community we need to wake up, but we we maybe leave the marketing community for another conversation. Uh, but they're still they're still catching up to be done, I think, by a lot of Sam's out. So I guess the message to our Sams who are listening is is that you should check on your customer right up at the top and see what they're saying about sustainability and environmental, social, governance issues. And, and ask questions about that and see if it represents an opportunity for you to create value with your customer in new ways. That's really the message to the same community. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and there's, there's, there's lots of practical ways to do that. I mean, as I said initially, of course they need to be aware of, of, of where their customer is on you know, their level of maturity in this area. So, so for example, if, I mean, if they're in the food and drink, if they're in a sustainable, sensitive area, like food and drink, then the chances are that, that those companies are going to be pretty, you know, pretty clued up on sustainability because they, they have to be for their own supply chains, from their own customers' point of view, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and if, if they're working with top, you know, top brands, famous brands in this area, so whether it's, you know, good companies to look at, by the way, Pepsi is really good in this space. Uh, you know, I recommend you, you just tour around their website, look at their sustainability um, reports. Uh, as a sort of benchmark good practice. Another one is Unilever over here in Europe, uh, another really good company. So if you're, if you're in a company that, if you're dealing with a company that itself is known to be uh, you know, top, top of its game, then of course, you know, the, the chances are that their sales and marketing you know, functions are gonna be pretty, pretty good. But if you're, if you're with a lot of other functions and in a lot of other companies, then uh, you're gonna have, have issues. And, and as you say, Harvey, that, that actually is an opportunity in a way. It's a real opportunity to, to understand their challenges uh, and to look for uh, opportunities to, to, to co-create um, value. Right. Well, in this, this business, uh, you alluded to it earlier about the companies are going to be asking questions of, of their suppliers. And one of the questions is going to be is, what is your carbon footprint? Why do the supply? Why do the companies want to know this from their suppliers? What? And it's a great question. And the, re the reason, Harvey, is because they are coming under pressure from their investors, uh, from the ESG community. They're all about metrics. The, the metrics are demanding transparency. You know, good, detailed transparency on on, on a lot of different areas, uh, including carbon footprint. Um, now it's, you know, companies of course are reacting to, to investors in different ways and some companies, let's face it, have better, you know, leadership teams than others in terms of sustainability. Uh, so some are going to be a bit more ahead of the game, some are going to be a little bit behind the game. Um, but for example, you know, we, we, let's go back to Unilever. I mean, I was listening to a presentation there a couple of weeks ago from their supply chain head 
who was saying that they're now going to be asking for uh, the carbon footprint to be written onto invoices from their suppliers. So they know, as a company, how much carbon they're buying with those products and services that they're buying from their suppliers. So when you get, when you get a request from a company like Unilever to say, oh, please, before you submit your next invoice, uh, please tell us how much carbon you're generating. I mean, that does focus the mind somewhat, and you kind of can't come back with a, you know, a motherhood glib statement <laughs> to say, oh, yes, we're, we're really we are committed to net zero when we get there by 2050, maybe. So these measurability issues are, are, are very, you know, it's, we say it's, a, it's a borrowed American phrase, perhaps, it's a, it's a real and present danger to Japan. Right. So, so what I'm hearing is, is that when a company like Unilever is reporting on their carbon footprint, it's not just their organic, their company's carbon footprint. It's the carbon footprint that includes their suppliers as well. That's right, and, and, and this is where you get into the, the jargon a little bit, the terminology. So people talk about scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions. In, in general terms, scope one is, is what we generate ourselves as a company, uh, both in the, the manufacture of our, our products and services and in our, our distribution to our customers. So that's kind of within our control. Uh, scope two is include the energy that we use to, to make those products and services, uh, so, which of course, it can, be, it can be very significant. And scope three is the most challenging of all. Scope three is where you know, a company will try to measure all the carbon footprints of all their suppliers. Now that is a huge undertaking for many companies. I mean, you think that many of your suppliers will be in China. So how are you gonna get your Chinese suppliers to give you statements around, around carbon footprint? So it's a, uh, it's a major undertaking, but, but it depends you know, what they've signed up to. And, that, and this is another important point is, is that SAMs need to understand from their customer's point of view, you know, what have you signed up to in terms of your, your commitments? You know, is it scope one, scope two, scope three? Because that will make you know, a major, uh, have a major impact on their demands on you as a supplier. So again, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a, it's a major undertaking uh, and, um, uh, there's, there's plenty of opportunity for uh, SAMs to help, you know, deliver the right information to their customers, but also to, to you know, ultimately to reduce that carbon footprint, you know, right throughout the supply chain. The world is changing. I can see, I can see an, a request for proposal or a request for quotation coming out, and these are the requirements. That the first questions are, What's your carbon footprint? What's your commitment to ESG, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, and then when you fill that part out, then they'll actually talk about the solution you're going to provide and the cost and those kinds of things. Yeah, and, and I've been talking to you, I mean, I'm, I'm building a simulation at the moment for, for a university around sustainability. So a lot of my research has been around, you know, thinking about the key challenges around, around people that, that play on the simulation and what they need to learn. And so I've been, I've been talking to you know, buyers, SAMs, sellers, suppliers, et cetera, et cetera, academics, consultants in the area to, to understand the, the current situation as much as possible. And um, uh, one, you know, one thing that uh, I think is, is you know, very interesting in all this is that the, the buyers are telling me that, okay, in the past, sustainability has been you know, a bit of a, 
you know, it's a nice to have. You know, we, we look at the, the, the core metrics, you know, the, the price, service, delivery, all that sort of core stuff. Uh, and uh, and sustainability is kind of like the edge, you know, the icing on the cake. Uh, we, we might use that as, as, uh, to decide the, the, final, the final supplier. But now what they're saying is that uh, sustainability is much more central, much more central. Uh, and actually, uh, if, if, if you as a supplier are not fulfilling our sustainability requests well enough, you may even be deselected as a supplier because we cannot take the chance with, with our investors that we have uh, you know, a dirty supplier. And I think it's a very interesting concept, you know, a dirty supplier. You know, uh, it's something maybe that we haven't measured in the past. How many of the SAMs listening to this, for example, when they're doing their strategic account prioritization work, uh, you know, they, they, they've got a, maybe 100 accounts up there and they, and they need to get that down to a few genuinely strategic accounts. How many of those look at clean accounts versus dirty accounts? Well, they're doing that, you know? Now, this, this whole sustainability uh, thinking permeates into almost everything that the SAM does, from choosing who is a strategic account. You know, do we want to be working with dirty accounts for the next 20 years that are a little bit slow to change? Or do we want to be working with the, you know, the, the, the green leaders who will help us change? Uh, it's down to the, the, the planning, the account plans, you know, do we have a, a sustainable, friendly account plan? Uh, do we, in there, do we understand the sustainability challenges that the customers have? Uh, all the way down to, you know, what are we doing on the ground in terms of uh, co-creating value? Uh, how, do we, how are we measuring progress and who are we talking to? So, so the whole, I think the whole, you know, go, maybe not go to market, but go to account, the whole go to account process for a SAM actually really does need looking at again and saying we need to, in order of this process, and our, our blueprint uh, and make it much more sustainable friendly. Right, right. Well, and, and you know, it's interesting, this concept of sustainability and then the environmental, social and government governance aspect of it really expands the, the areas where the customer needs, your customer might need to go. So how can a SAM probe, ask questions, and learn from what their customer's position is in that area. What, what do they need to do? Because it's not just energy efficiency, it's what other areas do you need to, to really understand the customer's direction? And yeah, that's, that's, I mean, it's a really good question, Harvey. And I think, I think uh, when we talk about sustainability, we need to be careful uh, not to think that it's just about carbon footprint. Uh, when when we talk about ESG, when investors are measuring companies on, on their ESG performance, uh, they are looking at quite a diverse set of metrics. So if, if we stick with the, the planet for a moment, it's, it's our carbon footprint, it's uh, our use of water, particularly in, in high stress areas, uh, it's our use of land, you know, are we, are we, do we have any deforestation going on? Uh, how much of, uh, of, of the prime land is being used. Uh, then we get into all the metrics around people. So it's about, you know, is this an ethical company? Uh, do they, you know, do they uh, embrace diversity? Uh, is, are there any, you know, very um, unethical pay gaps happening there? Uh, both, you know, from top to bottom and also from, you know, from male to female pay gaps. Uh, uh, and, um, you know, things like working conditions. All these are being, you know, 
looked at and, and measured as part of ESG. And then you get into even, even other areas around things like um, governance. How is this company dealing with risk? Do they have a, a, a very good mechanism and process for assessing climate change, how that will affect their own company in dealing with it? Uh, and ultimately, by the way, and, uh, they look at community. <laughs> you know, uh, I know we were talking earlier, uh, Harvey, uh, you've, been, you've been traveling about you know, how the weather in Texas is actually affecting not just the workers, uh, but also their own home lives. So you know, the, 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 their, their impact on the local community is part of the ESG metrics. Uh, you know, and if they're, if they're a global company, then it's the communities around the world in which they operate. Uh, and, and ultimately, they, they, they even go into the leadership and is this a company that has you know, you know, purpose-led, um, is it a purpose-driven, does it have good purpose-led leadership? Uh, so these metrics are very, are very, very, um, very uh, encompassing, uh, very comprehensive. Uh, and one of the things I think a Sam should do when they're, when they're you know, engaged in a conversation on sustainability is, is just check, you know, the person you're talking with by email or, or face-to-face or Zoom or whatever, to say, you know, what's his understanding of sustainability and where is he and his company coming from in this area? Because some will be thinking just planetary issues. You know, they signed up to, uh, to you know, a carbon footprint target and that's where they need support. But others may be thinking in, you know, in a much broader context, uh, ESG context, uh, and be looking for opportunities to, to help them uh, in, in that way. So, you know, there's, there's plenty of uh, opportunity to, uh, to help uh, customers understand what sustainability is and to help them to become more sustainable. Well, thanks for, thanks for expanding it. There's just a lot more things to understand, but also a much bigger opportunity to co-create value with your customer if you can find a way to help them achieve one of these other metrics that that's, if you will, the greater uh, shield or umbrella under which sustainability sits, um, lots of ways to win, basically. Yeah, really. absolutely, Harvey. You know, if we, if we, if we um, you know, I think we shouldn't lose sight of the, of the, of the practical things that Sam, Sam could do. And I know I've talked a lot about the general the concepts, and I think it's important to understand the concepts. But, but the kind of the, the, you know, the actions you can do next week are, are, you know, are pretty simple. Really. You know, first of all, you can get educated about the subject. So you know, just read up on, on, on what is sustainability. Uh, you can, if it helps, you can visit our Good Growth Academy website, goodgrowthacademy.com, because we're putting lots of little videos and interviews out there talking about the subject and helping people to understand it. Um, you can also have, of course, conversations with friendly people in your own organization. Now, I know you're a Schneider, you're a Schneider, Harvey, so you probably did that as well. So you've got sustainability people in your own organization, you've got logistic people, procurement people in your own organization. You know, get a coffee with them and just, and just say, you know, just have this conversation about what are, you know, what, are we, what are you trying to do with your suppliers and what are the real challenges that we have as an organization and, and how... How, what are the kind of advice you give me before I go and talk to my customer about, about this subject? Um, and then, of course, you can have conversations with people you know in the accounts, uh, you know, voice you know, where you've got a good relationship, you know, understand a bit more about, about their challenges, uh, but, but also make new friends in the customer as well. So, you know, a lot of the work being done here is, is going to be in the supply chain function. Uh, it's going to be done by the sort of chief sustainability officer. 
uh, you know, procurement getting more and more involved. So, so maybe talk to some functions that you may not have spoken to uh, before or make new contacts in those functions and, and try to get a, a broad understanding of, of the challenges that your account is facing. In, in the, it's, it's a big area uh, and you're not going to learn this overnight, uh, but with some initial, you know, very well targeted conversations, you can get a much bigger, bigger, better picture of, of what some of your key accounts are doing. And then what I say to you, like I say to my, my university students, by the way, uh, is, is do you bring it all back together. You know, if, if necessary, do a simple SWOT. <laughs> you know, just say, okay, from a, but it's a, it's a sustainability SWOT. So for this account, you know, what, what do they see as being their, their strengths around sustainability, particularly relative to their competition? What do they see as their weaknesses relative to their competition? Uh, what are their opportunities? You know, are, do they see opportunities for new products, new technologies, doing new things with their accounts? Uh, and what are the threats that they're facing? And therefore, you need to finish the SWOT properly. Therefore, what are the key challenges from that, that SWOT analysis? So you kind of link them all together, link all these the four boxes together. And, you, and even doing that one-page exercise, you can, you can get a a decent handle of, you know, the, let's say the top five sustainability challenges that we think our customer is facing. And then maybe we can, we can you know, we can uh, uh, play that back to them uh, to check it uh, and, and get a really good handle on, 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 uh, on how they are. And of course, you don't need to be a sustainability expert in all this. You just need to be better than your competition. And maybe your competition is not even having that kind of conversation, not doing that little bit of diagnostic. diagnostic. So it's, it's, it generally is a good opportunity to find new areas to, to co-create value. Wonderful. You know, it just occurred to me, Ed, and we hadn't talked about this up to this point, but there's a new position that's been created at the C-suite of many customers that are embracing sustainability, which is the chief sustainability officer. And replaying this conversation that we've had about how the importance of sustainability and ESG have, are growing with companies like the huge companies like BlackRock and Pepsi and Unilever, et cetera, that chief sustainability officer must have a lot of influence internally at this point. And they've got a big problem to solve. So I'm imagining they're pretty receptive to wanting to be with suppliers that, that uh, want help. Absolutely, Harvey. And, you know, I mean, you can look at different organizations. I mean, you can look at them and, and, and say, well, you know, what does the program team look like in this organization now? Now, some will just have a, a single, <laughs> you know, almost token chief sustainability officer that's, that's been given the, the role of sorting this out. Now, they will need help. <laughs> they they need resources, they need support, and that is a real clue for any supplier to say, listen, you know, we're with you on this. Uh, you know, we, we want to try and help you solve these big challenges. Whatever your products and services are, uh, you, you'll be surprised, by the way, how much of a carbon footprint you can contribute, even with fairly fairly cheap products and services. So uh, you have a, a, you know, a role to play in helping them, uh, and there's a there's a universal understanding in all this that, that if we are to you know, save the planet, and, and there's a universal you know, agreement now that uh, to do that, you must have cross-company, cross-supply chain, 
sometimes cross-industry collaboration. And that, that, that you know, is, is actually a skill that, that I think a good sound should have. They, they should be masters of collaboration. And so they should be able to help to pull together the right people. Maybe they can pull together a bunch of you know, friendly suppliers, uh, form a group to help you know, sort out a particular challenge that the customer has. Uh, you know, because they can't do it, you know, they weren't going to do it on their own. Uh, very often they, they, they need those extra resources. Uh, and the SAM has particular you know, skills and talents that, that, uh, that can help. So yeah, you know, it really is a, a, a I, I would say, despite all the, you know, the challenges this is going to face, this is going to create for many suppliers, this is, this is generally also a truly great opportunity. Uh, and in that article, by the way, I think that I wrote for, for SAMA, which is, which is now out, uh, I said actually on a, on a very nice point as well is that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when, when, when you reach your retirement age, uh, isn't that something you can be proud of? That you've, you've gone out there and you can say to your children and your grandchildren, you know, I really did help you know, in my small little way to, to save the planet. And this is, this is what I did. <laughs> That's wonderful. And it, it the, again, I keep thinking about how big this problem is and, and how many different ways a SAM can affect it. And, you know, I've, what I've seen is, and what I've heard is from our SAMs is, if, if you can pull an, an ecosystem together to help your customer, so you don't have to do it all by yourself. You can, you can, you could, God forbid, you could probably even involve your competitors if you do it the right way and make sure you stay on the right side of the, the fence and not share information that uh, you can't. But to help the customer get where they want to go, if the customer sees you as that ecosystem captain, that leader, the person who's helping make it happen, who's helping our company get better scores, you're going to be a winner in that. Game. Absolutely. And, and you know something? You know, some of this is not new. I mean, the, the idea that that you know to be a good strategic supplier, you are generally you know having an impact on the, the big strategic issues of that of that customer. It's still there. You know, it's, it's a timeless principle. We're just saying there's actually a new area where you can collaborate. And actually, uh, we I think we talked about this last time, Harvey. It actually is actually an excuse, an excuse to go up the decision making uh, levels and get in. Even if you're doing a very you know commodity type product where you found it difficult in the past. Uh, if, you can, if you can demonstrate, you know, you know properly, not, not, you know, not in some, in some wonderful sales talk, but with, you know, with a hard, you know, well thought out proposition, that you can help that, that, that customer to uh, sort out some aspect of their carbon, of their sustainability challenges, then there's a very good chance that you'll go, you'll go up to a higher level decision making, you know, way outside maybe the engineering function, uh, or the uh, procurement function that we, we're used to dealing with and get you into uh, very good executive conversations. Uh, so, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's a really good option. So what you're saying is this is your ticket to engage the C-level of your customer. If you absolutely. That, that's right. It's, it's, a, it's a golden ticket to, to do that. And, and, and we, I'm not saying you need to be an expert in the subject. Uh, you just need to have enough of an understanding of it to be able to ask the right questions. And I always like that, you know, that quote of Einstein that says that you know, if you had a problem to solve, you'd spend 55 minutes defining the question, 
and then only five minutes on the answer. And it's probably not as simple as that in this case, but I think that the point is true. That you ask the right questions uh, and they will lead you to the right teams, the right types of collaboration, the right idea, the right vision, uh, the right messages to take into your own organization to make some real progress. Amazing, Ed. It's, it's so good to uh, speak with you about this topic. I, I've learned so much. Thank you so much for your time and being willing to share with us. And, uh, you know, if you want to know who an expert is in this area, folks, it's Ed Bradford. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you, Harvey. It's, it's always uh, a pleasure to, to talk to you uh, and uh, to uh, hear the views of the summer community as well. They are always welcome to contact me, whoever they are. Uh, just just uh, look me up on LinkedIn, for example, or I'm sure there's uh, various uh, uh, connecting points from this, this podcast. Uh, they, they're welcome to contact me, and uh, I'll be interested to hear what, what challenges they have. So uh, I look forward to uh, catching with you again soon. Thank you so much. Cheers.